we have this thing in our mind of, oh, like, I got to feel perfectly calm and confident and then I'll perform well. I mean, if that's the case, you're going to perform well a very, very small portion of the time. Welcome to Under the Lid, a podcast where we discuss skill development, mental skills, performance, and coaching. I'm Tom Scolle, and I'm the founder of Cricket Mentoring, and my co-hosts are former Australian Test cricketer, now professional coach Chris Bucky Rogers, and Charlie Burke, who has previously been the director of cricket and head coach of Hong Kong, and a coach and talent specialist for Queensland cricket. The three of us are great mates and regularly talk and share ideas about what we're learning to continue to better ourselves. This podcast aims to give you an insight into some of the conversations we have and hopefully answer some questions and issues that we're continually seeing or hearing. So let's get under the lid. G'day legends and welcome back to Under the Lid with Skulls, Buck and Berkey. We have a Different format today. No Berkey, but we have replaced him with a very special guest. Buck, how are you, mate? And can you please introduce us to our special guest? Yeah, thanks, Skulls. Uh, I, I am well. Um, looking forward to this episode and, and maybe even a, a two-part episode. It's someone I've got to know very well over the last couple of years working for, for Cricket Australia. He's the sports psychologist that, that works throughout the pathway and even has worked all the way up to the, uh, the Australian cricket side. Sometimes I think when you, when you think about sports psychologists, you get maybe a, a little bit put off, maybe you think they're a little bit boring, but I can promise you this man is not boring whatsoever. He hails from Barbados, which as we see, it's in the, in the West Indies, in the, in the Caribbean, so a, a Bayesian. But yeah, I, I'd like to probably pass it over uh, to Peter Clark. Welcome, mate. Thanks for having me on the show, Buck and Tom. I appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to, to the discussions that we've got going through this episode. And, and just a little bit more back, background on Pete. Not only is he is he a psychologist, but he also is the head coach of the, the University of Queensland Cricket Club, which have won the title, first grade title, for how many years now, Pete? Uh, well, the club championship we've won for nine out of the, the past 10 years, uh, three two-day premierships and multiple, I don't know how many one-days in T20. <laughs> <laughs> in all seriousness, the boys have had, a, have had a great run long before I was coaching there or involved. Uh, it's been a successful club for a long time. I've been lucky to be a part of it. But you love it, don't you? I know speaking to all the, um, the, the guys who played under you, I think you, you're the bee's knees, mate. And uh, I know from a personal point of view, I've got you involved with the sidearm, throwing to, to the boys as, as much as I can. So you, you, you tick off those skills as well. So not only are you bringing you know, a lot of mental skills, but, uh, but I understand it with a lot of the physical skills as well. So maybe just give us a little bit of a background about your journey and how, how you reached... Uh, our shores and, and, and working for Cricket Australia. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for the very generous introduction. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I'm as good as you say, but I'll, I'll take it. As, a, as how I got here to Australia, I grew up in the Caribbean in Barbados. Did all my schooling and everything over there in terms of primary school, secondary school. I played some youth cricket back in Barbados, so Captain Barbados on the 15, on the 16. I uh, was lucky enough to be selecting a, a West Indies on the 15 squad. We had no World Cup or tournament to play, so it was just really for, for sure. And then I came over to Australia when I, was, when I was 18. I always wanted to do, I shouldn't say always, as maybe in my mid-teen years, I, I really wanted to do something in psychology and always in the applied field. Uh, I never really had a massive passion for academics by themselves, just in terms of how it could be, could be applied. And so the more I understood about it, I wanted to do sports psychology and I was passionate about that. Uh, we didn't have the option to study sports psychology in the Caribbean. Uh, and I wanted to continue to play cricket and I'm, I'm heavily invested in cricket. So America was out. Uh, so I just, I decided to, 
a play in England and Australia. Long story short, uh, the process of going to England, my, my student visa took a long time to come through. And by the time it did, my brother just suggested, man, what about Australia? Uh, we don't really have any people from the Caribbean, often our friends and family in the UK or in America. Nobody has family in Australia so far. So it's just never thought about it. Uh, but once we did a bit of research, it was, it was a no-brainer. The weather's better. <laughs> the culture is amazing. Cricketing, uh, prowess is fantastic. So I was really passionate about the idea. I was lucky enough to be accepted at the University of Queensland. And so that's how I ended up. That's how I ended up in Australia. Uh, played cricket for the University of Queensland for about five or six years. And then when I was finished my studies, got the opportunity to, I worked at Queensland University of Technology. I did some work with the Queensland Police, but I was lucky enough to present at the at a Cricket Australia coaching course, I'm pretty sure it was. And, you know, off the back of that, there was a, there was a position advertised and I had my foot in the door at the right period of time. So I got through. And that's how I ended up working, well, in Australia and then working for Cricket Australia. You, you nearly missed out on that job, didn't you? Because uh, one of the interviewers said you were too good looking to get the job. Let's not revisit that. That is a massive fallacy. <laughs> Didn't happen. Uh, but it's a little ongoing joke that, that one of our coaches, uh, well, one of our coaches and my boss, they like to perpetuate that story, but it didn't happen. Okay. Okay. So the reason we, we thought it'd be a good idea to get you on is, you know, we're, we're trying to help young athletes aspire to be the best. And, you know, there's all the technical, the physical side that goes with, with playing cricket, but equally, you know, and, and there's a lot of theory about how much of the game is mental. But yeah, we, we, we just wanted you to get on and talk about a bit of dealing with pressure and anxiety and, and some of the kind of themes that you've come across in your time and, and, you know, some of the lessons that you've given to athletes. So probably from our point of view, you know, what, what are some of the, the big themes you, you come across when you're dealing with young players with, with pressure and anxiety? That's a really, that's an interesting question. Obviously a hotly kind of contested question. There's, there's varying things that come out of the research and some common themes. But the first disclaimer I'd like to say is that there is no kind of one answer uh, or silver bullet or any kind of magic around the mental side of the game. We were just chatting before the show about the fact when it comes to the mental side of the game, we think there is a silver bullet or there's this technique or strategy and those words are kind of shrouded in some kind of mystique. That is this one thing that you can do to make you good um, mentally. But, you know, it's, in truth, it's a lot more... I don't want to say complex, but more holistic and broad than that. There's several factors involved. So what I don't want to do is make it sound like, you know, I have this answer, there's one strategy or a few strategies, and now you'll become a great performer. But just to lay it out, like anything you do, just like any kind of physical performance, you know, we, we spoke before about going to the gym. You don't expect to go to the gym once and all of a sudden become buff and put on 10 kg. You got to go for a year. You have to do it the right way, eat the right things. It's holistic in terms of how it happens and it takes time. And it's the same thing with the mental side of the game. Uh, we can discuss a few contact, uh, concepts and strategies, but it's not that like you can do it once and get better. You have to con un understand it for yourself, apply it to your own life. Not everything's going to make sense for each person. And what's actually important is that you take it and have a goal. Um, and if it doesn't work for you, fantastic. Continue to discuss it and learn what does work for you. So that's just an important disclaimer I wanted to put out. And to say, I don't know everything about psychology. And psychology doesn't know everything about how to explain the world. So. I'm not here to preach the gospel, just to give my opinions. Sorry for that. Sorry for that um, soliloquy. We just wanted to make that really clear. Uh, yeah, it's a good point. And, and it's a, you know, the question came without real context. So um, it, it, was, it was hard to answer. But I guess 
you know, what we're kind of looking for is, say a player is, you know, feeling nervous the night before a game. I think Tom has written about the night before his debut for Middlesex, he uh, he, he couldn't sleep. So, you know, there, there was that, that anxiety with it. How would you kind of, you know, what's your kind of go-to when, when, you, when you hear something like that? What do, you, what do you talk to the athlete about, perhaps? So one of the things, we'd, we'd, whether it be anxiety or, or fear or any kind of emotional response, the first thing you try to do, well, that I try to do, is to normalise that experience. I think there's a perception when we see people on, on TV or great performers, we just think that somehow they don't experience the same things as us. Like, you know, there's no way Ricky Ponting could have not been sleeping the night before a game. There's no way Mike Hussey could be so nervous that, you know, before a game that he wants to throw up. There's no way Rafael Nadal or Roger Federer or LeBron James, whatever. You just think that they're different um, somehow. And so that makes us feel like something's wrong with us, you know, because you're experiencing a high level of anxiety. But truth be told, most of the times when these people reveal uh, or tell stories or give some insight into their life, they've all felt like that at various points in time. And it's because we have default human responses, right? When there is a level of uncertainty and you pair that with a level of importance on a result, we're going to feel anxiety. Your, your brain as a default kind of mechanism strives to look for some kind of control or predictability. Then we don't feel anxious when we have control. So when we think about the night before your debut, you don't have control, particularly as a batter in cricket. You don't know what kind of pitch you're going to get. The opposition may be really good. We also know a bad decision could end you in injury one ball. Either you made a bad decision and played a poor shot or the umpire makes a bad decision or you just get a good one. So there's that uncertainty plus the importance of the occasion. The first thing you try to do is normalize it. Hey, man, it's okay for you to feel anxious or nervous. This is actually a very normal, natural response. And the next thing that, that's really important that I try to say before you give any strategy is to say, you can perform really well when you're nervous. We have this thing in our mind of, oh, like, i got to feel perfectly calm and confident and then I'll perform well. I mean, if that's the case, you're going to perform well a very, very small portion of the time. Um, because, you know, our emotions change their flow. Sometimes we're confident. Sometimes we're not. Sometimes we're thinking great thoughts. Sometimes we're not. And that's fine. What actually most important is what do we do? Now, your actions are the most important thing. And you can be nervous and perform well. Um, so that's probably where I would start the conversation just to normalize it. And that actually does just calm down people a little bit. Well, it's not me. There's nothing wrong with me. This is just an experience. Yeah, Pete, that's absolutely awesome. Um, something that I heard when I was a bit older and I didn't really understand when I was younger and, and wasn't coached it is about, yeah, nerves are not a bad thing. And they're actually your body giving you a bit of energy that if you, if you harness that energy, you can use it to your advantage. So for any young player who is feeling nervous or is scared of being nervous... Is it just about changing the story around what nervousness means? I just want to take a quick break to let you know about our brand new online program that we've just released at Cricket Mentoring. Behind the Grill with Josh Philippi is an amazing insight into one of the most exciting young cricketers in the world right now. If you've ever wanted to get inside the mind and game of an elite player to see how they go about things, then this is your opportunity. Philippi has been tipped by Shane Warne and Steve Smith as the next big thing in Australian cricket. And in this seven part video series, he shares everything about his game, including his technique, game plans, mindset, preparation, and a whole lot more. Head to cricketmentoring.com and click on the online programs tab in the menu to purchase this program and start learning how the best in the world go about their game. Now back to this episode. Yeah, that's a great question, Tom. And that's definitely a part of it, right? The narrative that we tell ourselves. So, so as human beings and through all the psychological models, I have a similarity around, you know, we have 
you know, core beliefs about yourself or, or the way you understand the world. Everybody has that. And I, I like to call that the lens that, that you put on. You know, if you're wearing clear lens and, you know, if a tree is green, you see a, a green tree, a door is white, you see a white door, you know, the grass, whatever. But if you put on a different color lens, a lens that's heavily tinted red, well, then the tree is red and the grass is red and the door is red. Um, so the core beliefs about yourself and how you look at the world, that's your lens that you're wearing. Um, and then outside of that, we have a, a dynamic process of how we interact with our thoughts, uh, our emotions, and our behavior. So we're always doing that. We're always thinking, feeling, and acting in, in some kind of way. Um, so what is what is really about, in my opinion, is understanding what those are for yourself. Um, and then how do you start to influence? How do you start to influence the process around your thinking? How do you start to influence and understand the process around the way you manage your emotions? And then most importantly, how do you start to, to control your, your behaviors? Um, and that's probably where you try and lean the most on it. So a young player who's struggling with their, with their nerves, but yeah, identify what that is, what it's about. But as you said, how can I harness this energy? How can I change my thinking or change the narrative sometimes to bring those nerves down to a level that, that really worked for me? I make sure that the narrative I'm telling myself isn't something that exacerbates my nerves. And a really simple example is, I might be thinking the night before a game of all the things that could go wrong. If I don't score runs, I'm going to get dropped. Let's say at trials, for example. Um, or when you know you're performing, you're kind of on the radar for selection. Jeez, if I don't do well here, I'm, I'm going to get dropped. Or you know, I'm not going to get this contract or I won't get this deal. And that can kind of dominate your thinking and exacerbate the already natural nerves that you have and push them to a point that's not useful. Uh, consequently, you could also look at it a different way and be like, what an amazing opportunity tomorrow. You know, if I, if I get out for that, you know, that wouldn't be great. But, you know, my mom's still going to love me. People are still going to cook food for me when I get home. If I'm not lucky, or I'll cook it for myself. Just that little bit of perspective. Um, and you can look at it as what an opportunity. And that doesn't mean you won't be nervous. It doesn't mean if you fail that it's not a bad result. But it just takes a little bit of the pressure off and probably gets your nerves to a place that you can manage. Yeah, that that's, that, that's amazing. It's, it's interesting. I had a, a call with a 13-year-old boy in country Victoria this morning and he fell off his bike and he broke his arm and his collarbone. He hasn't been able to play cricket for best part of two months. And I said to him, what have you learned throughout this period? And he said that how important his health is. And I come from in, in my sort of um, past, I've, I've had a job help, um, working with people with disabilities. And what that really taught me was um, the importance of our physical health and how I was dealing with people who are quadriplegics and how quickly our normal life where we can walk around, we can go to the toilet by ourselves, can get taken away from us. And what I was trying to say to this young boy is that we're human beings who play cricket and if we get a duck on the weekend, it's not the end of the world. If we can walk to the toilet, our life isn't as bad as many people have it around the world. And it, it's trying to put that perspective piece to what a, a cricket match really is in the scheme of things. But it's really hard for young athletes who put all their time and energy and they have these big dreams to sort of realise that. And I think for this boy, realising that he can do other things, he does have people that love him and, and they don't only love him when he scores runs. But any young person listening to this podcast, hopefully they can take that out of what you've just said, that the sun comes up the next day. And, and then I think with that sort of thought, it can really relax you a bit more. But Pete... If a young person listening to this, they don't have access to a sports psychologist, and I think where you touched on a, a trial, I get we get messages to the cricket mentoring page a lot about I've got a trial coming up. How should I? What should I do? How should I be? What are some sort of mental 
tricks that I suppose I won't call it techniques, but what are some skills that they or they can practice in the days leading up to it? Is it about visualizing a positive outcome? It's about trying to be aware of their thoughts, and then if they're going down a negative path, they change their thoughts to a positive story, like you've just said. What are some other things that we can give these young guys to just potentially try leading into a big moment? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, what am I might say? I'd start off by the bottom line is with any kind of so not just a trial, they can apply this to any part of their life. If you got something that really that's really important that's coming up, all you can really ever do is give yourself the best chance. So uh, as a broad principle, uh, I talk about something called the 1090 principle. Uh, it's a quote from a famous kind of American composer and, and lyricist called Irvin Berlin. But his quote said, life is 10% what you make it and 90% how you take it. And, and what that basically comes back to is a principle in psychology, which is really common, uh, commonly known, is locus of control. Like can, cricket coaches always say, and all kind of sport coaches, control the controllables. What's actually more important about that is how do I identify the controllables? What are the controllables in this situation? Um, and do I make sure I spend my energy on that? So that's, that's the baseline from where I start. If I'm worrying about the next day at the trial, like what am I actually worrying about? You know, am I worrying about who I'm playing against? Uh, am I worrying about the conditions? Am I just worrying about the result and what's going to happen after? Okay, it's good for me to identify that. That's natural. We normalize that already. But then I'm going to come back to that. So those are all 90 things. Those are things I can't control. Doesn't mean they're not important. Conditions are important. Your opposition is important. Uh, you know, the context of the game, all of those things are important, no doubt. But then you bring it back to, okay, what can I actually do to influence that situation? Sometimes in terms of conditions, all you can actually do is understand them and adapt to them. You're not going to change them. You're not going to make the pitch green if it's, you know, if it's flat and dusty. You can't change that. What you can do is adapt your plans. So can I make sure I understand as much about the 90, the uncontrollables as I can? And then I want to focus on my controllables. And for any young athlete, can you bring some consistency to what that looks like? So with your preparation, that's always a controllable. You know, making sure you get enough sleep, making sure that your diet is good, making sure you do your homework as, as on some of those uncontrollables. Who's the opposition? If you have that information, like what are the conditions going to be like? And then having a really clear plan of what you want to do. If you can nail those off in terms of your preparation, so your physical prep, your tactical kind of preparation, your skills work has been done, you've trained, you've done your cricket skills, can't forget them that, you know, did the baseline of what you're going to do. And then mentally, once you understand what those things are, focus your energy there and then park the rest of it. Not that the rest of the things won't pop up. You will worry about the result for sure. You're a human. But you don't have to dwell on it or put your focus on that. Put it into your controllables. And the more and more you can build a routine around that, that starts to alleviate your nerves a little bit because your brain gets a little bit of consistency. And consistency calms anxiety. Now, uncertainty kind of provokes it. So if you can build some consistency around your processes, here, this is what I do the night before a game. Um, this is what I do the morning of a game. If you can build consistency into those kind of routines and processes, what it allows your mind to do is to be a little more calm and then focus on what's actually in front of you the next day or when you're actually out there playing, which is, reading the game situation, assessing as, and problem solving as you need to. And then if you're a batter, watching the ball when it comes down. Or if you're a bowler, executing your, your plan and your ball. Or a fielder, you know, reacting appropriately to what's happening. It's such an interesting concept, Pete, about the fact that, you know, you hear, we hear players who, who say, um, I just want to see ball hit ball. I don't want to think. And it's such a naive way to think, I, I believe. And I, I understand what they're, they're doing is they're trying to, 
you know, stop thinking about the, 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 the bad thoughts, but to be adaptable, you've got to be ready to kind of think on your feet, don't you? And, and, and have those thoughts and, and even going into a game going, you know what, I'm going to problem solve here. I'm, I'm going to be the one who's the smartest player on the team or that, you know, the, the most thoughtful player on the team. So um, is that, is that something that you, you think about, you talk to people about? Yeah, I, I would agree a hundred percent. I think you'd struggle to find a great consistent performer in any sport who's not a great thinker, at least of that game. Uh, you know, they might not be the smartest person in terms of academics, but they're a great problem solver or um, they understand their game, their game, their game awareness is great in their sport or whatever it may be. People confuse all the time a clear mind with a blank mind. So when their mind is clear, they're only thinking about the things that are relevant. That's what they mean by I don't want to think. No, no, you are thinking. But when your mind is clear or you're in the zone or whatever, you're only thinking about the relevant stuff. You know, you're watching the field between, but of course you have to watch the field. Can't hit the ball in the air to where there's a field that you get out. Like, of course, you hit the ball in the gaps. You got to run between the wickets as a bowler. If someone's great on a short ball and they can't play um, a full pitch ball and you just keep bowling short, that's dumb. Doesn't matter how blank your mind is, you have to think at some point. But it means you're thinking about the right stuff. And when you're thinking about the right stuff, you feel a sense of flow and clarity. That makes you, you know, thinking is not difficult for you at that moment. And so that's, I think, what people are searching for, a clear mind, not out in the middle. And sometimes when we're really nervous or we're thinking about the result too much or we're thinking about the past and we're not present focused, that's when, you know, you, you feel a, a non-clear mind or a scattered mind. Well, Legends, what a lot of amazing information there was in that episode. We've cut the hour conversation into three parts so that you can digest each bit and not have information overload. Even that first part was a lot to take in, so I suggest you listen to it a few times as I'm sure you'll take something different out of each time you listen. I've got pages of notes which I've actually turned into an article that can be viewed on the Cricket Mentoring website, so narrowing everything he said down into five key things is a very tough task. That being said, here's the five things that I took out of that conversation. One, mental conditioning doesn't happen overnight and there's not one magic technique or strategy that is gonna work for you. Just like your physical fitness, your mental game needs to be worked on regularly and you need to keep finding what works for you. Two, it's very normal to feel nervous or anxious the night before a game or something important. Even the world's best athletes go through the same struggles so it's nothing to be scared of. And by changing the way you perceive the nerves and the story you tell yourself about what they mean, it can help you feel more calm. Three, we have to focus on controlling the controllables. The first step, however, is to identify what the controllables are. They are our routines and processes, our process of thinking, managing our emotions and our actions or behaviours, and it's our behaviours that we can control the most. If we focus on having consistency with those behaviours, then it helps us to feel more calm, as our brain likes consistency. When you have your routines and processes in order, you give yourself the best chance of succeeding. Four, I loved what he said about having perspective. Understanding that the cricket match or trial isn't the most important thing ever is a hard thing for aspiring cricketers or athletes who put so much time and effort into their performance. However, realizing that the world continues to go on, regardless of how you perform, and that those closest to you will still love you, usually allows you to take some pressure off yourself. Five, finally, I loved how he made the distinction between having a clear mind and having a blank mind. To be consistently successful, you can't not think. The key to being successful is being a thoughtful cricketer, but having the ability to have a clear mind when it's time to perform. This means you're only thinking about the things that are relevant at that point in time. What are the main things you took out of it? No doubt it'll be different to me as there was so much gold in that conversation. As I said, 
We've broken the whole conversation up into three parts, so I can't wait to bring you parts two and three very soon. That's it for today's episode. If you enjoyed it, we'd absolutely love it if you can share it with some friends or teammates or whoever you think might also enjoy it. Share it in a WhatsApp group, on Facebook, your Instagram story, or just send someone the link. We want this podcast to give as much value as it can, so we'd love to hear your feedback. What did you find interesting or learn from this show? We also want to hear what topics you'd like us to discuss in future episodes. So send me a message via the Cricket Mentoring social media channels and we'll start shouting out the people who suggested the topics we're discussing. We look forward to bringing you another episode soon. Until then, stay safe, work hard, and always try to learn and be better than you were yesterday. And most importantly, smile and enjoy the process. Shop boy. Talk soon, legends.